praise God for his grace and his mercy, which has allowed us to come together and to commune with one another one more time. Amen. And I praise God for this church, Forest Baptist Church, and for all that God is doing in the midst of our lives and for him continuing to encourage us through his word and through his spirit. As you know, we are just getting back from Costa Rica, a group of missionaries. I'm going to ask those missionaries to please stand. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As a result of your prayers and your fasting, as a result of you, allowing God to use you by giving of monetary gifts, amen. God did a wonderful work through these eight missionaries, amen. amen. And I praise God for them, amen. As we spoke about when we was in Costa Rica, we counted a, a privilege to be able to serve this church, to go in the name of Forest Baptist Church to a foreign land. And the ones who just stood were a part of, of history, amen. Uh, you all were. We all were a part of a historical moment for the church as we mobilized a group of missionaries and allowed them to go in the name of the Lord to do great things. And I'm so proud of each and every one of them. Uh, we could not have sent a, a better group of people. They represented Forest Baptist Church so well. I was so pleased to be their brother in Christ. Amen. And we have some people who are, have made up their mind that they're going to come and visit this church as a result of what God did through these people. Amen. And I thank you all once again for your prayers as we had the experience of the, the opportunity to experience the Lord bringing eight people to them. Amen and was able to encourage a whole community and live courageously for the Lord. You all will be getting bombarded with mission moments in the upcoming weeks as our missionaries will tell you exactly what they experienced on the mission field. Uh, this Wednesday, you also have an opportunity to come out and to hear some brief testimonies from each of them about what God did in their lives, as well as hearing a Bible study lesson not prepared by me, but by one of the missionaries as they did a devotion one morning that really moved our hearts and also kind of set uh, the tone of what God was doing through us. Amen. So we encourage you all to come out and to hear about it. You'll be hearing about it this Wednesday and next Sunday. Also, we had some women to go on a retreat. Amen. We're going to ask our women's ministry director to stand and just wave your hand. Amen as she helped organize and get things together. I'm going to ask every woman that participated in that awesome retreat in Lexington to please stand to your feet. Amen. Ohio, I'm sorry. Did I say Lexington? Amen. <laughs> Amen. These women went and were encouraged and encouraged others and mobilized. And we just want to encourage you all to just continue to be involved in what God is doing here at the church God is doing some mighty things. I've just heard a small snippet of some of the things that God did through these women, but I'm looking forward to hearing some testimonies and also allowing you all to participate in the worship service and telling about the goodness of God. Amen. 
If you all will be so kind to turn your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 4, and we're going to go to verses 10 through 13. Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. For the next few weeks, we'll be doing some uh, what I like to call freelance preaching uh, before we go into our next series, which will be us preaching through the book of James. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10 through 13. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10 through 13. When you get there, say, I got it. And if you're not there, say, hold up, wait a minute. Amen. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10 through 13. The precious, authentic, inerrant, and sufficient word of God reads... But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Please send someone else. Today, I want to tag this text, please send someone else. Amen. Hey, what to do when you feel inadequate, amen. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm not praying that the Lord would send someone else. I'm praying that the Lord would send you, amen. You can be mad at me all you want, amen, but I see the presence of the Lord on you. And I'm just praying that he will send you, amen. Now you ought to touch your neighbor and say, that's okay because I'm praying that he will send you as well, amen. Amen, amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Moses prayed, oh my Lord, please send someone else. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you knew that God was calling you to do something? But when you looked at yourself, all you saw was your inabilities and you felt inadequate, not sufficient, inept, or unsuitable. Some of you right now are in a place with the Lord where you are constantly asking the Lord, Lord, are you sure? that you have called me to carry this load. Lord, are you sure that you have called me to, to, to this ministry position? Lord, are you sure that you have called me to minister to this person? Lord, are you sure that I'm able to take care of these kids on my own? Lord, are you sure 
that you still want me to speak life into this situation. Lord, are you sure? Have you ever been in a place where you know that God wants to work in somebody else's life, but where you're just not sure if God is the one who is calling you to fill that void? Many of us in here, if we tell the truth, we all have had that please send somebody else moment. We all have had that moment where we looked at what God, where God had us and we begin to think and wonder, did God call me to this or am I calling myself to this? Or we look at our talents and our abilities and we say, well, God, even though your word tells us all to go, I can't go because I'm not able to go with what I have been gifted with. And it's a, it's a, it's a funny thing how God calls us. When God calls a person, he hardly ever calls them to do something that they feel apt or able to do. Isn't that funny? When God calls people in the Bible, he normally calls people to do tasks that are bigger than themselves. He doesn't call us to be comfortable. He doesn't call us to a situation where we don't have to rely on him. But he calls us into something that is bigger than us. And many times we find ourselves in the valley of discouragement. Because we can't see how God is going to use us to do this great task. Lord, I don't know how you're going to use me to minister to this broken person when I'm broken myself. I don't know how you're going to use me to pour into this person when I feel empty myself. Come on, church. I know you hear me. I don't know how you're going to call me to help educate these kids when I don't feel educated myself. God has a tendency of calling us to do things that is bigger and greater than ourselves. So what should we do when we feel inadequate? What should we do when we feel inadequate? In this text, we see God dealing with a man by the name of Moses. And Moses really needs no introduction. We know that he is a great patriarch of Israel. And as God is dealing with Moses, we see in verses 10 through 13 that Moses throws every excuse that he can think of to God about why he should not be the one that God sends. Moses had a unique upbringing. I heard somebody recently say that Moses was a basket case. You know, he was put in a basket in a river and, 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 and sent over to, to, to live with Pharaoh and with his, 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 his family. And we know that many of us in here, as we look at ourselves, if we tell the truth and we look at our past, some of us in here are some basket cases, aren't we? We're some people who had to go through some extraordinary things. At an ordinary age. But when we're going through something that seems bigger than us, when we find ourselves uh, being called to a situation that seems greater than the abilities in which God has gifted us with, the first thing we want to remember is the one who is calling us. 
the first thing we want to remember is the one who is calling us. We want to remember our commander and our chief. A lot of times when we feel unable to do a specific task, it is because we are looking at ourselves rather than looking at the one who has called us to do it. In Genesis, I'm sorry, in Exodus chapter 3, we see that Moses is receiving a call from God. And we see that this call is not coming from man, it's coming from God. And we want to be able and we need to be able to, to differentiate between, between what man wants us to do and what God wants us to do. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations and we find ourselves burnt out, not because we are obeying the voice of God, but sometimes it's because we are obeying the voice of man. Amen. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we feel inadequate and unable to, to work and to move because we are listening to man's voice instead of listening to God's voice. But when God has called us to do something, we will know that God has called us to do it because God is the one who will speak to us and tell us to do it. Amen. We know that God is speaking to us by the voice in which we hear. The word of God says that my sheep know what? And a stranger they will not follow. Here in Genesis, Exodus chapter 3, we see Moses receiving a call from God. And in verse 1, it says, now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Moses here is found being a shepherd. And he is shepherding and helping out his father-in-law or working for his father-in-law Jethro. And the Bible says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And the word says, and he looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see it, God called him out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. We see God calling Moses. And, and, and we want to remember in our, in our times of difficulties when we feel like God is calling us to something bigger than ourselves, that God is the one who called us and the God that we serve is a big God. He's not a small God. He is a big God. He is a creative God. We want to take the attention off of our current situation and remember that the God who called us is a God who is able. Many times when we find ourselves in the midst of the valley of discouragement and we find ourselves in underwater and, and looking at ourselves saying that we won't be able to do it, we, we, we look in a mirror rather than looking up and out at God. God shows himself strong here in, Genesis, in Exodus chapter 3 when the Bible says that an angel of the Lord came through a burning bush. Isn't God creative? Isn't God awesome? 
he showed up to Moses in an extraordinary way. He, he found Moses doing his regular occupation. He found him carrying out the mundane, the everyday. And, and when he found Moses, he, he did it in such a way to Moses knew that this could not just be some ordinary action that's taking place. This has to be a supernatural move. And don't you know that the God who called you is a big God. He is a supernatural God. He is a creative God. He's not a mundane God. He's not a God made of wood or of stone, but he is a God who was able to work a miracle in your life. So when you find yourself doubting where God has you, you have to remind yourself of where God found you. You have to remind yourself that God is the one who found you and when you were dead in your sins and in your trespasses. You have to remind yourself that God found you when you were living a purposeless life. You have to remind yourself that you are a miracle. That God miraculously chose to work in your life. And if God miraculously chose to work in your life, you ought to know two things. The first thing is, is that God does not waste his words. When God speaks, he speaks with a purpose and he speaks with an intention. God here speaks to Moses out of the burning bush and he doesn't have a long drawn out conversation with Moses. He tells Moses exactly what he needs and expects from Moses. When God spoke life into your heart, he didn't waste words. When God called you to be saved, he wasn't just doing something or anything. He was doing a specific work for a specific purpose. You want to remind yourself that this God who called you is a big God. He's not frail. He's not weak. He's not small. You didn't receive a, a call from somebody who does not have power and authority. If God called you to something, you ought to rejoice knowing that this big God, this great God saw fit to show himself to you. Now, many times we look at the call of Moses and we look at how God spoke to him in the midst of a bush out of fire. And, and, and we think to ourselves that that's so miraculous. And, and I wish God had called me that way. And I wish that was my testimony. And I, I, if, I, if I just heard the voice of God speaking to me out of a bush, I would never doubt God because I, I would know that God is just this great God and he's this miraculous God. But you know, that's not true. Because if we really stop and think about it, yes, God did a wonderful work when he spoke to Moses out of the bush. Yes, that was miraculous. But that is no less miraculous than what God did when he called you out of the pig's pen called the world. That is no less miraculous than when he healed you from drugs. That is no less miraculous when he healed you from promiscuity. Satan had his cord around you. Satan had his fangs upon you. Satan had his hand resting above you. But this God who speaks spoke to your heart. He spoke to a dead situation and he called out life. And we ought to not minimize our testimony. We ought to see that if God did it for Moses, yes, God has done something for me. It may not have looked like what God did for Moses, but my God, I've got a testimony too. Does anybody in here know that you have a testimony? 
And does anybody in here ever take time to reflect about where God has brought you? No, I may not was messed up like so-and-so, but I was messed up. The Bible says that one sin is enough to separate me from God and cause me to go to eternal punishment. That one sin may not have been your sin, but my sin was just as deadly as your sin. And when we feel inadequate, we have to remind ourselves that God has already miraculously worked in our lives. That we are not where we are by accident nor by incident, but it was a sovereign God who chose to reveal himself to you in a special way. Where were you when God revealed himself in a special way? Throughout the book of Exodus, we see God speaking through fire. Throughout the book of the law, because God's words are are like fire. It consumes, it it cleanses, it it, it purifies. And, And God here was speaking to Moses and showing Moses that I am the Lord your God. I am the one who does not, who will never be consumed, but I am the one who consumes. Not only did God show himself, as creative and as big and as the one who speaks, but he showed himself as holy. He showed himself and introduced himself to Moses as the one who was separate from any and everyone else. The Bible says that as Moses looked at this burning bush, that as he turned, God God spoke to him. And as Moses was going to pursue to see what was going on in this fire, as he saw the sparks and the flame coming up and heard the crackling but did not see the decaying, the Bible says that, that God spoke to Moses and he says, take off your shoes. For the ground that you are standing on is holy ground. Now Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house. Moses grew up as a privileged kid. Moses grew up having nice things. And and he probably knew how to respect things of beauty. But, 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 But Moses did not ever see anything like this. And and when God told Moses to take off the shoes off of his feet, I'm pretty sure that he probably remembered the voice of Pharaoh, the voice of those who raised him saying, don't come into this room with those dirty shoes on. And and he, he understood what God was communicating. God was communicating, you can't just approach me any kind of way. When you come to me, you have to approach me in a respectable way, in a reverence way, because I'm not no little kid. I'm not little nuke nuke or little baby. You just can't run up to me talking no any kind of way. You've got to understand that I am the Lord, your God. I think we've got too casual in our communing with God. Now, I'm not saying when you pray, you can't be real with God. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that we've got to recognize who we're talking to. Talking to the one who formed the mountains, the Appalachians and and the Colorado Rockies, the one who formed the Grand Canyon and the one who who hung the sun and the moon and, and the one who gave life. We're not talking to an amateur or a rookie. We're talking to someone who knows a, a lot more than we know. And when we feel unable to go forth, we've got to remember that we're talking to someone greater than us. One who is causing all things to work together for his good. 
One who is working in the lives of a child in, the, in, the, in, in a remote place in Africa and a, and a child in a remote place in Canada and, and then a child somewhere in the United States at the same time and who is not forgetting who he's talking to and working with when he's working with them. Isn't God awesome? He's working in a mother in a church's heart at the same time that he's working in a teenager's heart. He's working in a deacon's heart in the same time that he's working in a minister's heart. And then he, he has the nerve to be working in a different way with each of us. God is awesome, ain't he? He has a way of communicating with us in different ways. God don't communicate with you the same way that he communicates with me. With you, he may call you by your first name. With me, he says, hey, knucklehead. But we serve a God who calls us, gives us all a, a specific call, a special call, a, a specific testimony. The Bible says that not only do we serve a, a holy God, but we serve an experienced God. I like in the call of Moses how God constantly reminds Moses that he is the God of his forefathers. In verse 6, the Bible says, and he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And the Bible says, and Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. God introduces himself to Moses and he lets him know that I am the God who called Abraham out of Ur. I am the God who called him out of a wealthy and comfortable situation and I'm the one who called him to walk in faith. Not only that, I'm the one who called Isaac. I'm the one who, who gave Isaac his wisdom and who gave Isaac the ability to, to raise children. I'm the one who called Jacob. I'm the one who wrestled with Jacob. I'm the one who, who, who broke out his hip, who, who, who dislocated his hip and allowed him to, to walk with a limp. And, and I'm the one who allowed him to have, have 12 kids. And I'm the one who called the trail 12 tribes of Israel. God said, listen, you don't know who you're dealing with. I am an experienced God. And when we're going through our times of feeling inadequate, we have to remember that God is experienced. God knows what he is doing. You're not the first person who was put in a situation that was bigger than you. You're not the first person who had the weight of the world on your shoulders so it felt. You're not the first person who showed up to a, a job that God blessed you with who, who felt underqualified. You're not the first person whom God has called to do something for him and for his namesake that didn't feel like you were able to. God reminds Moses that Abraham went through the same thing. Abraham went through the same feeling of inadequacy as he left his mother's home and father's home and Isaac and, and Jacob. We all are called to do something bigger than ourselves. And God will remind you that I am the God of experience. He does the same thing in verse 15, reminding Moses that he's the God of his fathers. He does the same thing in verse 16. And then he does the same thing in chapter 4, verse 5. And when we are in a situation that seems bigger than ourselves, we must remind ourselves that this is an experienced God. 
You know, I, if I was going to be operated on and have a surgery done, I would definitely pick a surgeon who has done the operation before. I don't care how educated a person is who just graduated from, from having their doctor's degree and says that they, they've studied this in and out, but if they told me that they have never operated, I will look at them like they're crazy and say, well, you do a couple more operations and then you come back to cut on my body. I want somebody that's experienced, somebody that's cut before. Somebody that's done some things before. And God is that God. He's the one who has worked before. This isn't his first time working in somebody's life. This isn't his first time calling someone to do something that's difficult. He's done it time and time again. And some of you in here are struggling in your body, seeking healing. You have to remind yourself that God is able to heal. He is an experienced doctor. An experienced surgeon. Why the surgeon is, is the one who thinks that they're working. It's really God who is working. And God has healed some of us in here from some things. And touched our bodies and set us apart. And, and we must remember that it is God who is the God of experience. He is the ultimate lawyer. The one who has never lost a court case. But see the issue in this text. To Moses is, is that God is sending him to do something that he does not feel able to do, nor does he want to do, despite God commanding him to do it. And as Christians, we must know that God has called us to do a great work and a great task. And while God has put us all in some specific situations in our lives and called us all to a specific task in our life, for some, of course, who are called as mothers to take care of their kids and, and others as fathers and some has called and been put in, in ministry situations, he has given us all specific tasks, but God has also given us all a general call. He has given us a general task, a, a task that goes from person to person in the pew. And that task that God has called us to is a task to go and to relieve people of their pain. To go and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, Moses was called in this text to fulfill a need. The Bible says in verses 23 through 25 that God saw Israel who was in bondage under Egypt and he saw them working as slaves for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. He, he saw them struggling. His people, the one whom he called, he saw them under the bonds of Pharaoh. And the Bible says that their cries came up to heaven. And don't you know when God, when people cry out to the Lord, God hears their cries. And God normally sends someone to answer their pleas. And I come to tell you today that if God has saved you, he has saved you in order that you would be used by him to answer the needs and the cries of others. He has called you to bring relief to the lost and to bring relief to those who are stressed out. He has called us not to sit down and to be immobile, but he has called us to mobilize. 
He has called us to go and he has sent us with the command to go to the world and to tell the nations of who I am. But many of us, we don't go because we look at ourselves and say, Lord, I can't go. Lord, I'm not able to go. Lord, I'm not strong enough to go. And God is telling us that it's not about you. I'm the one that's with you. I'm the one that's going to strengthen you. I'm the one that anointed you. I'm the one that called you. It's about the people whom I have called and predestined to be delivered. God has called us with a specific call of deliverance. When God calls us, he calls us as an answer of prayer. When the New Orleans uh, Katrina was hit by a flood, I was pleased to receive an email that said that the Southern Baptist Disaster Relief Team was the first on the scene. They said that we showed up with our trucks and we helped out people who were caught in water and, and handed out water and food. And, and, and we were there to meet a need. Don't you know that God has called you to meet somebody's need? There's somebody in your life that is enslaved. There's somebody that's in your life that is in chains. And, and God wants you to be the one to go and to tell the devil that you have to let your hands go. You have to take your hands from around this person. That's our call. God has called us to be a disaster relief team. He has called us as a church to go out into the highways and the byways and to compel the lost to come. He has called us to go out to Broadmoor and to hit the blocks and to let some young men know that, that God really does love them. He has called us to go and to bring hope to the young woman up the street who, who has no hope and who keeps trying to find her hope in a young man. He has called us to go to a senior's home who can't help themselves, who, whose Medicaid is running out and to lend a helping hand. He has called us to go and speak life into our brothers and sisters of Christ's life, people who are giving up hope. He, he has called us to look not inside but to look outside and to see that there are people around us who are hurting. Moses did not appreciate the call of God because Moses was looking at his own weaknesses. He was looking at his own frailties. He was looking at what he could not do rather than focusing on the God that he serves that allows him, that would allow him to do all things. Listen to what he said. He said, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. We see Moses making excuses, telling God why he can not go. And that's exactly what Satan wants. He wants us to get to a place where we look and we focus on our weaknesses rather than the God of strength. You know, God calls us despite our weaknesses. God does not call us because he sees that we are able. God calls us and thereby makes us able. Remember Moses' history? God called Moses and Moses was a murderer. The Bible says that Moses killed a man who was harming his brother, his, far, his Hebrew, another Hebrew, amen. He was a murderer, and yet God called a murderer 
to heal people. And he called a murderer really to tell other, mur other people not to murder. Ain't that something how God works that out? How God will call someone who was so messed up in their former life, but then he will call them to minister to people who was just like them. And that's why we have to learn to appreciate our testimonies. Many of us, we want to hide what God has doing, done in our life. We want to hide what God has brought us from, but I, we've got to learn to appreciate where God has brought us because that testimony is where God wants to use to deliver us. God, when he calls you, he calls you at the time that he called you because he wants to work in your life in such a way to draw people who are just like you to himself. God called you from the street corner from selling drugs, cleaned you up, don't hide it. Let people know that God called a weak vessel like me. God called you Rahab from, from selling your body. Let people know that God can use somebody who didn't use their body in the right way. God called you from being a thief and a liar. Jacob, let people know that you were a subplanner and a liar and that God cleaned you up and gave you the spirit of honesty. If God brought you out from something, you ought to testify and let people know that God uses broken vessels, broken people. He used a man by the name of Noah and Noah was a preacher and the first drunk of the Bible. He used a man by the name of Samson and Samson had a proclivity towards women, amen. He used a man by the name of David, and David was a murderer and a liar. He used a man by the name of Solomon, and Solomon used to spend way too much money on bling bling and things. He, he used people who were broken and who were bruised and who were weak because he wanted to show that it's not your strength that I'm going to deliver people by, but it's your weakness that I, I find grace, and it's your weakness that I rejoice in because I want people to see that it's not you that's working, it's me that is working and when I stop and look at myself I'll get depressed I'll think about everything I can't do but when I look at the God who called me I should be able to rejoice and know that God can use me just like he's used people in the past he used a man by the name of Paul and he turned Paul around and had Paul become a, a zealous man and, and lead people to Christ God can use you right where you are Stop trying to tell God what he already knows. But God, I can't speak. And I question whether or not Moses could really speak. Because in Acts chapter 7, verse 22, we read that the Bible says that Moses was instructed in all wisdom of the Egyptians. And he was a mighty man in words. With words and deed. I wonder if when Moses was standing before God, if he was just trying to come up with any and every excuse that he could come up with. I wonder if he was really slow. The Bible says that God got angry at Moses once he kept throwing those excuses. And then as we read throughout the law, we see that the Bible at one point uses, tells us that Moses told Aaron, but after a while that completely disappears. See, sometimes we go to God and we bring, we go to God with excuses rather than reasons. 
You do know the difference between an excuse and a reason. An excuse is I showed up late to work because my dog had my shoe in his mouth. I chased it around the house, and finally when I got the shoe, I realized that I had on mismatched socks, and I tried, I did the best I can. A reason is, is when I was on my way to work, I got in a car accident, and I couldn't make it. A reason is valid, and the excuse is something that we just make up, either to get out of trouble or to keep from doing stuff. I believe that Moses was coming with excuses, not with reasons. And even if it was a reason, because we see the way that God responds, verse 12, he says, now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what to speak. Moses just simply says, Lord, just please send somebody else. <laughs> God said, okay, Moses, you having a problem communicating? I'm the one that's going to touch your mouth. I'm the one that's going to give you something to speak. Moses said, well, listen, listen, God, I got to be, let me be real with you. <laughs> I really just don't want to go. God has given you a testimony. He has brought you out of some things in order that you would go. In order that you would be a disaster relief to somebody. And God doesn't want to hear our excuses. He knows your weaknesses. And he's not asking you to be someone else. He's asking you to be yourself. Isn't that something? God didn't ask Moses to become someone else. God said, be yourself. And, I, and I'm sure that that's the reason why some of us struggle in going. And why some of us, we don't do what God has called us to do with confidence because we are trying to be someone else rather than who God has made you. God made you who you are because he wants to use you the way you are. God gave you the set of skills that he gave you and he allowed you to go through what you went through in life in order that he can get you to the point to minister in a specific way. The first 40 years of Moses' life, he was in Pharaoh's house where he received a top-notch education. Then Moses murdered a man and he ran into the sunny eye desert and, and the Bible says that for the next 40 years of his life, he is, he's a flock, he's a shepherd of a flock. And then God calls him back to Israel to go and deliver his people. God uses his skill set. God uses his pain and, and allows him to deliver other people. He used his education to write the first five books of the law. To write the Ten Commandments in such an elegant way in Hebrew. And then he turns around and uses his shepherding skills to lead Israel out of Egypt. And that's exactly what God has done. Now you may say, well, I don't have a great education. Well, God wants to use the education that you do have. Even if it's a third grade education, if he called you to go, he's going to call you to go and to use the education that you do have. Your ministry may not be to the high and lofty. Your ministry might be to those who are on the street corner. And somebody going out speaking proper English and using $1,500 words in the hood is not going to be successful. Go out and use the, 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 the language that God has given you. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus. And when we read the New Testament, Jesus spoke the common people language. He didn't come speaking the classical Greek. He came speaking that Kanye Greek. Amen. 
the simple Greek, the Greek that will prick people's hearts. And we ought to not look and try to be deep, but look to, to do what God has called us to do with what he has called us to do. God is the great I am. When we go, we don't go with our own, in our own title, in our own name. We go in the name of the Lord, the name of the one who sent us. And when we go, we must remember that God has more at stake than we do. If God is sending you out to do something, he has more at stake than we do because he is the one who sent us. We are his ambassadors. God won't let you fail. Now, we have to see how we define failure. Success does not mean that everybody's going to love what we say or agree with what we do. But success in the eyes of God is us being faithful and persevering to the end. God told Moses, when Moses said, who shall I say send me? God said, I am has sent you. Tell him I am that I am. I like that because we have to remember that when we're out doing what God has called us to do, that we are in the presence of God and God is with us. We go in the authority of the great I am. I am is a present term. He didn't say, go tell him, I was has sent you. He didn't go and say, tell him, I am the one who will has sent you. He says, go and tell him, I am that I am has sent you. I am the one who is with you. God will never lead you somewhere by yourself. He will never leave you somewhere by yourself. And many times we get confused and we think that just because we're going through a struggle that God is not with us. The Bible says that after Moses went and told Israel about what God had said, that they rejoiced and that they were excited, that they were glad. But the Bible says that, that Pharaoh took that fire out real quick. He says the reason why y'all want to go and worship in three days in the wilderness is because y'all don't have enough work to do. And that's just like the devil. When God has spoken the word, the devil wants to steal it. He wants to take it from your heart. He wants to try to punish you. He wants to try to get you in a place where you're second-guessing God. But God told Moses to continue to go. If Pharaoh does not let you go, I'm going to do this. And we've got to know that just because God called us to do something, it does not mean that we won't struggle. People think that because God called you to do something that everything's going to be a bed of roses. Everything's going to be easy and everything's going to be paved out wonderfully. But I've come to find out when God calls you to do something, that means that it's going to be all out war. Because Satan knows that God has sent you on an assignment. And he wants to try to steal that assignment or discourage you from doing it. When God calls you to do something, Satan wants to try to get in the middle and to be what I call a blessing blocker. He wants to try to set up things and, and try to discourage you in a way in which you will start to doubt whether or not God has called you. And then he wants to get you in a mode of depression and get you in a mode where you're just saying of, of having a pity party. But one thing I found out about Christians is that Christians, we're like rubber balls. The harder you bounce us down, the higher we come back up. And we've got to come back up like Moses. The Bible says that God sent Moses out and he was discouraged, but Moses never gave up. He went out and he kept being faithful to what God had told him. He kept going to Pharaoh time after time and saying, God said, let my people go. When God sends you to do something, you don't even have to be creative in doing it. You just have to do what God sent you to do. And sooner or later, 
later, God is going to use the word that he spoke to you to bring deliverance and set some people free. And some people in here are wrestling with the same thing for years and years. And, and you have a daughter or a son who, who's caught in bondage. I come to tell you today to speak what the Lord has put on your heart. To keep speaking the gospel, keep preaching the gospel. And sooner or later, something's going to break. Something's going to give. Because if God told you to say something, baby, it's not going to come back to him void. When God tells you to say something, when God tells you to pray for somebody, it's because he has a plan to work out that prayer. God does not tell us to pray for nothing. If God has you laboring on your knees, if God has you weeping and crying, it's because he has something that's in the work. And you may not see it tomorrow, you may not see it next week, but you ought to go in faith knowing that if God called me to it, he's going to bring me through it. And that's why I get so excited when God drops something in my spirit to pray about because I know that God is getting ready to do something. God, you put this person on my heart. They're going through something. I'm just going to sit around and wait on the deliverance, wait on the testimony, wait on the songs of glory, wait to shout because I know if you called me to it, it's for a purpose. Don't let Satan get you down and make you feel inadequate. We ought to tell the devil to shut up, go somewhere, take that to somebody else because you done brought this to the wrong person because I realize what God can do through a weak and broken vessel. Stop looking at your weaknesses and getting discouraged and look at your weaknesses and start rejoicing because Paul said it is in my weakness that he is made perfect in strength. Yeah, I may not be able to speak this way, but God has anointed me to do something and every time I look at what I can't do, I'm going to remind myself of what he can do. No, I can't quote a million scriptures, but he can use the one scripture that I do know. No, I can't go out here and sing like Gladys Knight, but he can use the little voice that I do have. No, I may not be the, the most wealthiest parent, but he can allow me to make this thing stretch to feed my kids. Yes, yeah, Satan, you want to remind me of what I can't do, but let me tell you what I can do. Paul said in Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You done messed up coming to the wrong person talking about what I can't do. You've got it twisted. With God, anything is possible. Don't you know that he takes the weak things of the world and he allows it to confound the wise? Don't you know that he takes the broken things of the world and he allows it to bring deliverance? Come here, Anus. Why don't you testify for me? Wasn't you a farmer before God called you to minister? Yes, Pastor Jamal, I was a farmer before God called me to minister. But when he called me to minister, even though I wasn't equipped, even though I wasn't an eloquent speaker like some, or, or as some would say, God used me to preach to the nations. God can use your frailties for his glory. He can use your brokenness for his glory. He can use your hurts and his, your pains for his glory. And we ought to rejoice knowing that God has a plan that goes way past my plans. For I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you an expected end. Even though I'm inadequate. Even though that I'm in unable. I know that he's adequate and that he's able. I don't know, have to know everything as long as I know the one who knows everything. I don't have to be able to figure it out as long as I know the one who can work it out. I don't have to be the one who's strong as long as I know somebody who can lift up this burden. 
I'm not going in my own strength, my own wisdom, my own intellect, but I'm going in his wisdom, his strength, and his intellect. And if I just step back and let God be God, he'll work it out. Sometimes we try to work it out and we end up messing up. But I heard somebody say that Jesus will work it out. Jesus will work it out. I had a problem and I took it to the problem solver. I had a situation and I took it to the one who was sovereign. I had a, a, a heartache, but I took it to the one who heals. Instead of trying to work it out myself, I declare I'm going to let God work it out. The Bible says that God told Moses, he said, Moses, what's in your hand? Moses looked at what was in his hand and he saw that it was a staff and God had Moses throw that staff on the ground and you remember how it became a serpent God says whatever I gave you just learn to use it don't ask for more use what you got I've already given you enough in your hand I've already given you a testimony I've already given you something that's going to help you got to learn to appreciate small victories appreciate small victories oftentimes we don't learn to celebrate small victories but we'll have more joy if we celebrate small victories after he picked up the rod God told him he said put your hand in your cloak and he pulled his hand back out and his hand was filled with leprosy and God said, now put it back in. And he put his hand back in his cloak and the leprosy was gone. God was showing Moses, I'm going to lead you and guide you step by step. I'm going to work it out for you step by step. It's not going to happen overnight. So you ought to rejoice step by step and know that God is going to work it. He who began a good work in you, he will complete it. Know that God is working it out step by step. Me and you, we can't see how it's working out, but we've got to have faith that it's working out. We see one situation at a time, one problem at a time. It's like we're in a parade, seeing one float at a time, but God is in a blimp, and he has a whole greater view, and he sees the beginning of the parade to the end of the parade, and sometimes what we got to do is make a phone call and call the one that's in the blimp and say, Lord, I don't see how I'm going to work it out. But I know you've got a plan. And if you just be quiet and be still and let God move, you'll hear him saying, my child, keep moving forward. Keep going. Keep on going. If you just trust in me with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge me and I'll make straight your paths. But you've got to trust in me and not trust in somebody else. You've got to trust in the great I am, the El Shaddai, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Jireh. You've got to trust in the rock of ages. Yeah, when I learn to trust on God, I've got a lot more peace. When I learn to lean on God, I've got a lot more joy. When I learn to lean on God, I've got a lot more hope. If I'm leaning on God and not on myself, to learn to say Lord don't send somebody else we got to be like Isaiah and say Lord send me even though it's hard send me even though it's trying send me 
Because I know if you send me, I'm going to have a testimony in the end. And God wants us to have a nevertheless attitude. Nevertheless, said Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, if you called me, then I know that you're going to give me the strength to go through it. And I just need three people who have a nevertheless attitude to encourage somebody and say, you've got to have a nevertheless attitude. Even though you don't feel like it, nevertheless. Even though the creditors is calling your house, nevertheless. Even though you don't feel adequate, nevertheless. Even though it's causing you to cry and weep, nevertheless. Even though you're weak, nevertheless, nevertheless, not your will, but my will, I'm still going to press on. I'm still going to go through. Satan may try to set up some barricades, but I'm jumping over them, baby. Satan may try to trip me up, but if I fall, I'm getting right up, baby, because God has called me with a special call, and I'm going to go despite myself. Grab your neighbor by the hand. Father, we pray that you will help us even in our weaknesses and our inadequacies. That you will help us, Lord, not to look at ourselves, but to look at you. To not trust ourselves, but to trust you. To find ourselves in you and not in ourselves. Father God, I pray that you will give us the strength to persevere. To have hope, to be like Moses, and to go even though we may not feel like going, knowing that you are omnipresent. You are the great I am. Praise God that you're not the great I used to be, or the great I will be someday, but you're the great I am. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.